Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to Basketball Conference, the ACC Football Podcast. My name is Joey Weaver. He is Mike McDaniel. Mike, we are kicking off preview season. We have uh, we have waited long enough, but we have brought in one of our very favorite guests to start us off. Tell us about him. Connor O'Neill, Deacons Illustrated. Um, I, so we fall started, Joey, though, on the uh, <laughs> season previews. So uh, th- this wasn't Connor. This wasn't Connor's fault. We, yeah. we tried. We tried to record with him, and then, you know, we have kids, and that's the whole thing. We can go into the story, but anyone who's listened to this podcast for long enough knows what the story is already, so don't don't worry about it. Yep. Connor, welcome back. How are you doing, man? <laughs> doing well. Um, glad we could get this worked out. Uh, glad that the kids are finally in bed, and uh, we're good to, good to go, good to rock. That's right. Well, as a, as a recently married man, congratulations. Uh, welcome. You. You're you're working your way down the path that we're already down. So uh, you'll <laughs> I don't want to make any assumptions, but there's a chance that you'll you'll know kind of what we're dealing with here in a, in a few years, a few short years. There's a chance. Yep. I'll, uh, I'll acknowledge there's a chance. Yep. <laughs> well, welcome back once again, Connor O'Neill of Deacons Illustrated uh, covering the Wake Forest Steam and Deeks. And that's where we'll start. And Connor, I, I mentioned to you before we jumped on here that uh, this is our first preview of preview season. And I'm going to start by asking you maybe the most boring question that we will ask anybody in this entire preview series. <laughs> uh, Dave Clawson entering his umpteenth year in, uh, in Winston-Salem. I'm just assuming that everything is still as hunky-dory with him as it ever has been. The only thing I could think that might have ever made it remotely more interesting is the recent Northwestern situation. Like, He's not interested in that opening versus any others, right? Like he, the, the plan is still he'll be in Wake Forest as long as he wants to. Yeah, so there's some spice here because um, I've said uh, I've said for longer than this, but really in the last 18 months since the Virginia Tech opening, um, and I, Dave, you know, there's no way you'd get it on the record on this, but I think Dave used that opening to get a leverage out of Wake Forest and get more money for his assistant coaches. And that was the extension that he signed. Uh, I think it was announced the the day of or the night before the season finale of BC, where they beat BC to win the Atlantic comp, uh, Atlantic division, uh, pour some out for divisions, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Um, True. It, so in the roughly 18 or 16 months or whatever since then, I've said that the only two openings that I'd be worried about if I was a Wake fan were Notre Dame and Northwestern. Mm. So that Northwestern comes open. Um, obviously, oh, they're well, not well. they're not trying to poach him now. Uh, I think they've already named their interim and said that they're going to wait until after the season or late in the season or whatever to target the uh, a long-term hire um, where it just becomes kind of a non-factor to me is look Northwestern that that's a train wreck right now. Um, you're going to have to, if, if you're going to get an established coach, you're going to have to overpay considerably to get them in there. Um, I don't know how much money Northwestern has and how much they're willing to throw into the football program that hasn't always been the most supported program. 
Uh, they're also trying to build, what is it, an $800 million stadium, something like that. Uh, I, I don't know how you can do that and also overpay a football coach millions upon millions of dollars. Uh, it, it's just, it, it seems like a lot of mounting factors that would uh, dissuade a coach who is as smart as Dave Clawson and as kind of calculated as he's been with his job moves um, to go there. And, and to take over that program in his mid fifties, I don't know that he wants a reclamation project like that. Um, the other thing that kind of pushes it over the edge of being almost a non sequitur to me is him and Pat Fitzgerald have the same agent, um, mm. Brian Ooh. Harlan, uh, Kevin Harlan's brother actually is a Chicago based agent and uh never had the pleasure of speaking with brian i was trying to get in touch with him quite frequently at the end of that 2021 season bet when you were Virginia tech had an opening um kept waiting on it on some return calls there but uh no i i just think that i cannot see a scenario where northwestern battles and battles and battles pat fitzgerald's uh agent in court over the end of his contract and then turns around and says Hey, let's negotiate with your other client, this Dave Clawson guy, because we want to bring him in to coach our team. Um, maybe that happens. I mean, I've been wrong before, but it's just it, it's it's such a cavalcade of factors that kind of push it away from Dave Clawson ever really seriously considering a move to Northwestern this year. There's absolutely such a thing as certain organizations just like wanting nothing to do with working with certain agents, you know, and, and those clients basically just being off limits at that point. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, uh, the Washington Nationals just keep drafting Scott Boris clients because they're the only ones dumb <laughs> enough to deal with him. Uh, and uh, that's a that's a curveball and a cross sport. But that's the one that I that I think of and go to. Um, but, yeah, I, I think to, to answer your initial question, I think Dave is in Winston-Salem for the foreseeable future. I think there's going to be a groundbreaking on their new uh, locker room facility with all kinds of um the locker room is the main thing, but it's a it's a huge building that is built next to their indoor facility, which was also built since Clawson took over. Um, they've just they, they've made Wake such a better job since he got there in December 2013. that You know, it's it's easy for the national talking heads to look at Dave and look at his situation and say, well, if this guy won at Wake Forest, then imagine what he could do elsewhere. Like, yeah, but imagine what he could do at Wake Forest. Uh, imagine with, with the resources that they're actually giving him and the support they're giving him, uh, would he really be making an upward move? And I think that's something that, you know, every time there's an opening at, at one of the Big 12 or uh, the most recent one, I think, was Nebraska. And I had Nebraska people asking me if he was going to be a fit there. And I was like, no, um, just just no, he's <laughs> – He's got a beach house in North Carolina. Like, you know, I guess if somebody gives him enough money, he can get private flights to to the Outer Banks every year. But um, but no, I, I just I don't see it happening anytime soon. It'd have to be a perfect situation or it'd have to be something that. You know, some SEC team wants to give him eight million dollars a year and uh, he takes one swing at a national championship. Uh, that's that's kind of the only scenario. And and Notre Dame looms out there. Let's let's presume the whole agent part of it is just kind of an aside, right? Like, let's just say that, you know, Northwestern 
would be interested in talking to Dave Clawson based on what you know about Dave Clawson and based on kind of Northwestern situation in the Big Ten, where the Big Ten's obviously getting this gigantic television contract and there's going to be more money into that conference than there's really ever been before. Means more money to Northwestern, which means they could pay him a lot of money. You kind of mentioned that you don't think he'd necessarily chase that job, right? But if, yeah, I just, I mean, given that situation, like, do you think that that would be something that would be a draw for him? I think the some of the things about the school would be a draw. I just mm-hmm. nothing in nothing in Dave's resume and past history says that he's a guy that's going to chase a paycheck. Uh, it says that he's a guy that's going to sacrifice peace of mind and, um, you know health like mental like he's i know northwestern isn't going to be the you know the alabama where you have to win 10 games or you're fired uh type of type of job but he's just not a guy that is, is going to pursue that just for, for a little bit more money uh in the bank account i i just i don't see it um you know everybody has their price and then you know we kind of to throw another cross sport curveball, we certainly saw that with Liv the last two or two years or so. But um, I just, until it happens, I don't see it happening. Yep. The uh, the old what what's the oh man what was it the million dollar man in wrestling? You know everybody's got a number, everyone's got a price. You know <laughs> yeah yeah. You know nobody knows what they're gonna do if they throw a, a big nine ten figure check in your face you know but who knows um yeah and that's the thing like maybe i'm setting myself up to be blindsided by this <laughs> but you know it's just kind of getting to know dave and and looking at uh the calculus of of some of the previous decisions he's made i just don't see it happening that way mm-hmm. yeah by the way i said nine and ten figures i meant like seven maybe eight figures that yeah <laughs> i got way way over the skis there billionaire dave clausen uh, Connor uh, let's talk about this year's team and I think maybe the biggest headline coming in is as far as the 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 whole country especially the the conferences concerned regarding this team would be Sam Hartman transferring out from Wake Forest to Notre Dame Uh, Sam Hartman a guy who I think might have been at Wake Forest longer than we've been doing this podcast at this point um, has been forever um not really. I'm, I'm kidding, but you know, he's been here a long time. Feels that point. way. Yeah. Um, he paves the way Mitch Griffiths taking over, you know, we, we, it's been a long time. I feel like since we've seen a Dave Clawson wake forest quarterback come in and not look the part, like it seems like, you know, from a developmental standpoint and I, Mitch Griffiths is going to be a third year sophomore, like, at this point, I would think that they've got the reps, you know, there, maybe there's a little bit of a step down, but like, is this something that you or Wake Forest fans are should be concerned about coming into the year, or is this a fairly seamless transition going from several year starter Sam Hartman into Mitch Griffiths? So the little correction there is he's actually a fourth year guy. Oh, um, oh yeah. got the COVID year. Yep. Uh, I so many schools do it different with with how they treat that COVID year and the eligibility clock. But um, yeah, Mitch has been. This is going to be his fourth year in the program. Um, like he can walk away with a degree after one year of, of being a starting quarterback. Uh, I don't know about seamless. 
Uh, there's certainly going to be some bumps in the road. And I think it's a little disrespectful to for me to say it would be seamless based on Sam Hartman through more touchdown passes in the ACC than anybody in its history. Um, maybe he only gets credit for 50% of those because they play six ACC game, uh, ACC teams in the regular season this year. But um, no, Mitch is going to be fine. Uh, he might struggle. Uh, the, the, the ramp for the season is really going to help. I think um, that September, I, it's not going to be a breeze. It's not going to be four, four touchdown wins, but when you're talking about a month when your toughest game is a home game against Vanderbilt, uh, all, all, all due respect to Georgia Tech there. Um, I, I just, I think that you could not draw up a better situation to be breaking in a new starting quarterback than that. Uh, the other factor is it's not going to be Mitch's first start. Like he got a little bit of a taste of it last year when Sam had the blood clot. He's going to mm-hmm. come in and, um, you know, it's, he's obviously going to be, facing some stiffer competition than VMI. It's weird that he's two starts. His first two career starts are both going to be against FCS teams. Um, so he'll, he'll have had his way against VMI and then he'll probably have his way against the alma mater with Elon in the, in the Thursday night opener there. But um, Mitch is, Mitch is going to run a little more than Sam, uh, especially last year. Sam was not much of a running threat. Uh, Mitch is going to remind people not as much of, of Sam, uh, definitely not as much as Jamie. I don't think Wake has anybody in the system that is going to remind people of Jamie Newman. Mitch is going to remind people of John Wolford. Uh, it's kind of that simple. Like they're the same body type. Uh, they're kind of the same running style, kind of, they don't look the part, but once they get out in the open field, they wind up chewing up grass and they're a little more elusive than you think they are. And, uh, that's really going to help. I mean, the the 2017 season that John had really kind of elevated the standard for Wake uh, moving forward. So Mitch is going to be fine like that. That it's it's a story because it's the quarterback, and it's a story because of who he's replacing. But I think once we get a month into the season, it's going to be okay. Wake is fine at quarterback. Mitch has a pretty firm grasp firm grasp of the reins, and Wake has, you know, the next star quarterback and everybody will call him a system quarterback. And then Wake fans will get a ornery because uh, they, they do have talent and uh, I'll have to come down somewhere in between and say, look, Wake runs a quarterback friendly offense and this guy's talented, but also, hey, he's got a lot of talent around him and uh, Wake's offense is hard to it, it makes life hard for defenses and easy for quarterbacks sometimes. Mm hmm. I mean, the strength of this team has to fall somewhere on the offense, right? I mean, you lose A.T. Perry at receiver, but you bring back a bunch. Donovan Green back, Taylor Marin back, Jamal Banks. Like, this is a pretty strong unit at receiver. And then at running back, Justin Justice Ellison's back. You know, uh, you still have Demont Claiborne, right? Um, this is pretty much a... a position agnostic personnel agnostic offense i feel like under clausen right the offense is always going to be really good despite whatever personnel they throw out there it really feels that way anyway i don't know if it'll be a 40 point a game offense i think that's probably a a bridge too far but uh, the quote-unquote down years in the last like five or six years of wake offense have been in that like 33 to 36 point a game range I think this team is right there um 
God, the, the, the receiver depth. Um, I don't know who else in the ACC would be jealous of Wake's receiver room at this point. Uh, maybe Florida State has with um, Johnny Wilson and the incoming guy. I can't remember where he's from, but I know he's a huge alien type to, to put opposite Johnny Wilson. Um, they're probably fine. I think Duke looks at their receivers and, and they're set with what they've got. Otherwise, I think every team in the league, Clemson included there, looks at Wake's receivers room and says, man, we could use one or two of those guys. Um, there was you know, some Jamal discussion. Banks is the next. Sorry, there Go was ahead. some discussion of Sam Hartman going to Notre Dame and having a worse receiver room there than he had at, at Wake Forest. Like, I kind of have no doubt about it. Like that, that's not even breaking news to me almost. <laughs> um, granted, I, you know, I haven't paid all that much attention to Notre Dame because they haven't been on the schedule of Wake or Duke in the last couple of years. But, man, um, Donovan, you know Donovan Green is a known commodity. You know he's a, he's a burner. Uh, Taylor Marin and Keyshawn Williams in the slot are two stars, and it's an offense that makes stars out of slot receivers. Jamal Banks – I I had him on the on the breakout star watch last year and he had nine touchdowns and I think only started one game. Uh had something like 45 catches for almost 700 yards I think. Um uh, tight end it is it's always funny Wake fans love to ask why they don't throw to the tight end as much and Wake coaches tell us consistently they don't throw to the tight end as much as when they had Camp Serenade because when they had Camp Serenade their receivers weren't that good. But now that they have really good receivers, they don't throw to the tight end as much. Um, they're okay at tight end. Like Cam Cam Height, uh, we saw a little bit of what he could do behind Blake Whitehart last year. I think Cam Height will be a solid starter for Wake. He's not going to be, you know, 50 catches and challenging Brock Bowers for the Mackey Award, but he's going to give them what they need when needed. Um Mike, you hit the nail on the head. Like, Damon Claiborne is a star in the making. Uh, that is a home run hitter in the backfield. And I honestly think the last time I could say Wake had a home run hitter in the backfield, it was Kenneth Walker III. Uh, that, that's a guy that every time he touches the ball, he's a threat to take it to the end zone. Uh, what will determine his play is whether he can pass block or not. That's kind of a requirement in Wake's offense. You're running back almost always winds up being a sixth blocker in the backfield. And if those guys can't pass block, they, they kind of don't play. Um, so we'll see like that. That's what August is for. That's what the spring was for. Um, but if he can get playable in that area, he's going to really help Wake Forest. So Connor, at that point, I mean, if 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 the offensive skill position, especially, is the the strength of the team, looking at Wake Forest, I mean, I mean, historically, in at least the last couple of years, defensively, that's probably been where you've found a weakness on the team. Um, is that something that we expect to kind of continue going into this year, or is that something you think might be changing with with some of the new guys in the program or anything like that? Man, it's kind of I. I use this often because it's Clawson's favorite band, uh, Talking Heads. It's same as it ever was. <laughs> um, man, it's just you're always looking at that defense and and picking out individuals that really stand out. Um, like this year, I can tell you, Jasheen Davis has a chance to lead the ACC in sacks. He's a pure pass rusher on the edge. 
Um, I, I really like their safeties, Malik Mustafa and Chalen Garns as starters, but also Brendan Harris and AJ Williams are really good behind them. Like they have great safety depth. Chase Jones has, has been in the program for four years. Uh, this is going to be his fifth. He knows what he's doing at linebacker. He's a solid linebacker. Kalen Carson has been really good at corner, um, when, but that's when he's been healthy. Uh, he's missed, I think, double-digit games in the last two years because of various injuries. Uh, I, I do think he's a pro corner when he's healthy. But you wind up just picking out individual stuff, and, and it's, it's a unit that is – much maligned uh a lot of times when this team loses a game it's it's not of the you know 17 to 10 variety where our defense played well but our offense just couldn't get it going it's oh we lost 45 42 and just couldn't get that one defensive stop to put us over the edge um and that's where i look at last year's sp plus wake eighth on offense 97th on defense i mean Some uh, early 2010s Big 12 stuff going on. Like, <laughs> Yeah, man, it's just uh, – you come away thinking there's talent on that side of the ball. Um, you, you also come away thinking, you know, I, I tend to think that your depth shows up more on defense than offense. Um, you can get by playing a lot of guys, a lot of snaps on offense. You can't really get by doing that on defense, not for not for a 12-game schedule in the ACC. Um, and and Wake – continues to be a program that kind of scratches together depth where they can and hopes to piece it together where they don't. And uh, sometimes that gets exposed. Sometimes it doesn't like sometimes you win 11 games and can, can make it through uh, like they did two years ago. But yeah, I look at it. I was telling you guys earlier. I mean, yeah, it it matters that Sam Hartman is in a different uniform and AT Perry is with the saints. Um, They're going to have replacements for those guys. Where I worry is uh, Kobe Turner, Deion Bergen Jr., and Tyler Williams all were basically your three defensive tackles that all played over 500 snaps last year. They're all gone. Uh, the the top returning defensive tackle, Kevin Pointer, was kind of the, the fourth man in a four-man rotation. He played significant snaps last year, but it was never – I think it was never more than 25 snaps in a game. Um, beyond him, you have Bryce Canius – who is a transfer from Villanova. So you worry about moving up a level. Uh, you have Justin Williams, who is, I think, a fifth-year guy who has not really had much footing so far. Uh, you have B.J. Williams, um, Isaiah Cheney. Like, you're, you're just – you're throwing names against the wall of guys that are either new to the program. Uh, they have a D3 transfer, Nick Helbig, that might get snaps in there for them. Um and and you look at some of the other teams in the ACC that do well, some of the some of the teams that have dominated this league. It's tell me a, tell me a team in the last ten years that won the ACC that didn't have good defensive tackles. Um, so it, it's and it, it goes beyond that. Like I I, I got to see what new linebackers look like. I got to see them create at least one other playable corner uh, next to Kalen Carson. A lot of question marks every year wind up being on Wake's defensive side of the ball. And I think they answer some of them in fall camp. I think some of them are probably question marks that I only I have right now. Like they're probably thinking they're fine at. Um but but yeah, I, I look at I look at defense and I just wonder 
how much is going to come together and what in what spots is it not going to come together and at what point is it going to penalize them real quick i mean because we're talking about loss of multiple starters i mean there were multiple starters lost on the offensive line too and it was an offensive line that was just kind of okay right yeah Uh, some games were better than others it was a real mixed bag last year does Dave Clawson feel like he has like ready-made replacements for the guys that have been lost up front on the offensive side of the ball? Because defense definitely concerned, but like I think there's a clear weakness on offense up front. I think that's fair. I also think like they're going to get Luke Pettibone back, who was a contributor on the 21 team that won the Atlantic, uh, and he's going to move to center. He didn't. Ha- he played at the end of 21 on a partially torn ACL and missed all last season with that. He's back. They're moving him to center. So they're moving Jurgens to guard. That kind of eliminates one of the guard holes you've got to fill. Um, then I think there is the depth to, to cover up the other guard spot. Tackle is the one that I have concern with. Um, Devonte Gordon is, is pretty good. Uh, I'm interested to see if he stays at right tackle or moves to left. Um, Spencer Clapp is the other tackle who you kind of pencil in there at one or the other. Uh, Spencer's a seventh year player. Like I covered Spencer in high school because he was in high school long enough that Hell I was yeah. still covering high school in the Burlington area. Um, I was going to assume that meant you were in high school, not, not him, but that's no, 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 no. <laughs> uh, if, if nothing else, it's going to benefit you from having a, I think he's going to be 25. Um, mm-hmm. you have a 25 year old guy playing college football, like, that's going to help at some points. Mm-hmm. At some points, it might not, but... Um, That's a great I, man. I mean... Yeah. yeah, and and the other part of it is, like, this is, with all due respect to the defensive coaches they have, but their offensive staff has been together uh, for a decade. Other With the exception of tight ends and special teams coordinator Wayne Lindenberg, who's only been there, I think this is going to be his seventh year, Every other offensive position coach has been there for the full duration of Dave Clawson's tenure. Uh, so Nick Tobacco, the offensive line coach, I mean, I'm honestly, I'm kind of shocked he hasn't been poached by somebody else because of what he's able to do with Wake's offensive linemen. Um, and and so I think that's an area you look at, and yeah, it, it makes sense that you would have that question, Mike. But I, I think the track record there, what they, what they're able to do, what they're kind of able to get going uh, behind the starters. I think they will be fine there. With, with the way that you're talking about the offensive line, Connor, is that the one spot on the team that you're most concerned about depth or, you know, if I, if I was asking you, where's the one position group on the team that, you know, the starters are pretty good, but like if anybody on the starting line gets hurt, you're really concerned all of a sudden with what comes out, you know, afterwards. Is it that offensive line or is it somewhere else, maybe on the defense? Probably corner slash nickel. Um, I don't know. To me, you basically have Kalen Carson and then a bunch of unknowns. Uh, you, they, I think they're going to have Evan Slocum at nickel to start with. Uh, he struggled last year in that spot but was also brand new to it um i also think uh i think quarterback we still i I think quarterback is still the position on the football team that gets asked the most of but i think nickel is number two 
Like you're asking a guy to cover a slot receiver, but also play in the box as a run support guy. Um, it's it's pretty ridiculous what those guys, what the responsibilities play in and play out for those guys. And you're usually either moving an athletic linebacker there or more often than not, you're moving a corner or a safety there. Um, and that's what Evan, Evan Slocum's a converted safety who's going to be a nickel. Uh, then I, I mentioned like Kalen Carson, that's the one guy you feel good about. And he has not been on the field for you every game in the last two years. Uh, he's missed quite a few. And then behind him, uh, there's not a player on the roster at corner who's started multiple games in a college career. I think it's Deshaun Jones might have one start. And uh, if I'm if I'm looking at the other names on my Athlon magazine here, uh, Andre Hodgins, Amari Stevenson, I don't think have started games. I don't think have played any significant snaps. Um, that's the position where Gavin Holmes transferred to Texas and J.J. Roberts transferred to, I believe it was Marshall. Uh, those two guys were kind of up and down, and and they took advantage of the transfer rules and went elsewhere. And uh, Wake has a fresh start at corner. Like they brought in Chip West from Syracuse, a little interconference transferring of of a position coach there. And Syracuse had some really good corners. Like Chip West did a nice job with Syracuse's corners back cornerbacks the last few years. He's he's got a clean slate here. Um, there, there should be no previous like bad habits to work out of guys. Um, but I just, I want to see the acclimation process and, and beyond Kalen Carson, I, I really, I don't have much of a feel for how good those guys are. How's week for us NIL game? I know we're like stepping out of personnel, but like, <laughs> It's kind of an interesting question for Wake specifically, just because size of the school, right? I, I feel like, you know, Wake Forest is, you know, on the smaller side in the Power Five, if not the smallest, right? In terms of just overall student population, that sort of thing. Um, yeah, it's the smallest. Yeah. So, like, how's NIL factoring into um, the roster, roster turnover at Wake? And do you see that as like something that, you know, might concern Dave Clawson more than like, other coaches elsewhere because of where he's coaching. I mean, it's there. Um, Wake typically isn't in the recruiting battles where they're fighting off Miami's $200,000 offer or whatever it is. Right, right. Uh, like they, they hold on to Micah Mays. Uh, it's a high three-star. I think maybe somebody has him as a four-star uh, receiver coming in this year. Uh, he took, a, I think, an 11th hour visit to Miami or an, an unofficial to Miami late last season, and Wake hung, hung on to him. Um, the NIL, like, Wake had a few false starts uh, by by alums that I think wanted to help but uh, were not as organized as they needed to be. And then last Thanksgiving was, was really when they got their collective off the board with Roll the Quad, and it has the backing of, uh, you know, I think of, of the eight names of founders that were thrown out there. I think seven of them have names on buildings at wake. Uh, it's, it's that kind of backing with it. I, I just, I don't know, man, I, I have such little desire to report on NIL and to wade into those waters because there's every incentive people have to lie. And uh, I, I almost want to start cursing and I'm not going to do that here, but it's just, it's all liars poker. Like everybody wants to say, oh yeah, our guy's getting this much and 
there's no incentive to tell the truth. Like, and yeah, I, I'm, I'm not about to go digging through the financial records of 20 year olds to figure out how much their W twos are, uh, W 99s or whatever those would be like. That's just not what I want to do. So, yeah, uh, like to to switch the sport up in basketball, uh, they got a big commit from Juke Harris out of Salisbury, and I was there for his commitment ceremony and just straight up asked him because uh, the the other teams on his list, uh, Kansas was in there, uh, Miami was in there. Like it's the guys you hear about. So I wanted to know how much of a factor NIL was and just straight up asked him and he said, no, it wasn't a factor at all. Um, he might be lying to me. Like that might be a 17 year old kid just telling me exactly what he was coached to say, or it might be a kid that legitimately wants to go to Wake Forest. And, you know, that kind of thing doesn't enter his, his mind. Um, so I don't know. I just, man, my, my desire to report on NIL or anything like it is minimal. Yeah, preaching to the choir. I <laughs> feel obligated to ask, but I'm uh, like I, 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 I feel love the, the same way. Can, I love the kids can make money. Like yeah. I think that they should yeah. make all the money yeah. that they they, I agree. they can. Agree, <laughs> but I, that doesn't mean that I have to agree. Pay any attention to it and write about it. Yeah, I mean that's like absolute chasing your tail kind of stuff, right? Like it's yeah. you know, yeah, it's it's great that they're able to make money, but like you're saying, I mean, it's it's just full of lying, and there's no reason that anybody has to be truthful no about any of this stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, there, there's no dotted line to sign on to until you've agreed exactly where you're going to transfer, and you know, you're already there, and yet it's being used to try to get people into the portal to begin with, which just feels like the biggest like absolute garbage. Yeah, I've ever like it's ridiculous. Yeah, let's take a quick second to remind you about Section 103.com as the internet's premier place for all things wonderful, wonderful Georgia Tech apparel. They have T-shirts, sweatshirts, hoodies. They got a couple of three-quarter shirts. They got buttons, stickers, all sorts of things. Thanks for men, women, children, something for the whole family. Every Georgia Tech fan in your life can use something from Section103.com. Use promo code GoACC for 10% off your first order. Uh, they've got some new things all the time coming. Uh, recently came out with some new player shirts, uh, shirts, you know, shirzies, I guess, as the, as the kids would call them. Uh, things with a logo on the front, a number on the front, and a number on the back, along with a name. They got shirts for both Zach Pyron as well as Dante Smith, who kind of project to be Georgia Tech's starting quarterback and running back this year. So if you want to support those players, I believe they get some NIL money out of it, too. So just, you know, keep that in mind for what it's worth. Uh, they've got the Junior's Grill shirt. They've got all sorts of great, great products there. They've also recently come out with a clearance section. So if you're looking for some T-shirts or a couple of hoodies for a uh, slightly lower price point, go check out the clearance section. Once again, it is section103.com or at section underscore 103 on Instagram. Give them a follow. Check it out. All things wonderful Georgia Tech apparel. Again, using the official team colors, the official word marks, everything. It is all officially licensed. It is super comfortable, super high quality. I love mine. You will love yours as well. Check out the performance wear if you're, you're looking for things to keep you cool here during the summer. In any case, one more time, that is section103.com, the Internet's best place for all things wonderful Georgia Tech apparel. That's it for now. Let's get back to the show. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, 
Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. So anyways, on that note, Connor, uh, <laughs> let's take a look at the schedule for Wake Forest this fall. Uh, out of conference, you know, as you mentioned, kind of a, a nice little runway to start with uh, at home against Elon, at home against Vanderbilt, at Old Dominion. Uh, and then later in the year, almost almost at the end of the year, at Notre Dame uh, in late November, but then the ACC schedule, as mentioned, no divisions anymore. So as a reminder, you know, we're just kind of playing whoever, whenever, depending on when the ACC says to play them. <laughs> Wake is home against Georgia Tech at Clemson, at Virginia Tech, home against Pittsburgh, home against Florida State, at Duke on a Thursday, uh, home against NC State, at Notre Dame, as mentioned, and then at Syracuse. I, this feels, you know, I mean, you get the, probably the two toughest teams in the ACC, uh, you're, you're missing out on UNC, one of the, you know, out of conference games you've played the last couple of years. Um, I, I don't know. How, I mean, how do you grade this in terms of, of difficult, easy, you know, workable, especially considering what we've talked about, you know, a certain amount of uh, personnel reset kind of year. The funny thing to me with every ACC team schedule discussion is if you're an Atlantic team, not named Clemson and Florida state, you look at whether they still have to play Clemson and or Florida State and determine, oh, they got shafted or, oh, they got lucky here. Then if you're a coastal team, you look at whether they play Clemson and Florida State now. And if they do, then they got shafted. And if they don't, they got lucky. So that's my thing with, with Wake being a former Atlantic team. They have to see those teams again. Um, they have beaten Florida State three the last three meetings, uh, they skipped a year in um, 2020. Uh, Florida State backed out of a December game. Uh, they they did not want to play. But uh, you put that and, eloquently. I I appreciated that. Yeah. That, well, uh, they gave Wake Forest about I think it was about 28 hours more notice than they gave Clemson and was it Virginia the other one? That yeah, they Virginia. Out on? Virginia. They basically it was like day of the game essentially it yeah. was like the morning of on game day it broke Clemson was game day too yeah yep uh good t- good times there but um it, it's it's not easy it's certainly not easy um the the one I, I'll give you when the schedule comes out one of the first things I look at is where the off week is uh mm-hmm. Dave Flossen loves having that thing in the middle of the season so I see that it's in September and then you play eight games in a row. That's a little rougher than it usually gets. Uh, that runway is going to help. Uh, you're going to you're going to pay some karma on the back end of it, though. With uh, you're probably playing the weakest ACC team on your schedule there, uh, September 23rd against Georgia Tech, and then coming out of the off week with trips to Clemson and Virginia Tech. That like, I know what Virginia Tech was last year. Uh, I also know that Wake, uh, I don't have the numbers off the top of my head. Wake does not play well in front of crowds of more than 50,000 people. Um, mm-hmm. I know even even down years, Lane Stadium can fill up. So, you know, I look at a mid-October game at, at Virginia Tech, people might, I, 
I can imagine would still be pretty interested at that point in seeing year two of Brent Pry. Uh, you guys can tell me if I'm if I'm wrong there, but I think that'll be a pretty loud place. Uh, I'm of the mind that I just don't know when Wake can win at Clemson. Uh, I've I've gone down there and seen them get shell shocked by that atmosphere too many times to think that it's going to happen. Um, I'll it's one of those I'll believe it when I see it. I don't think that Wake is just going to go over the rest of time at Clemson. I just don't know when it's going to happen. Uh, at least mm-hmm. when Clemson is, is is at this level with Dabo. Um, then the fun part is you come home and play two of the most physical teams in the ACC, uh, Pitt and Florida State. Like that, that's that's going to be no joke. You're you might be looking at an 0-4 month in October, and Wake under Dave Clawson has typically been really good in October. It's November when they really struggle. Uh, but October is usually a pretty kind month to the Deeks. And that's that's an October that I look at and say, man, they uh, if they come out of there two and two, if it's the right two, then they're going to be kind of happy. Uh, the quick turnaround and the trip to Duke, uh, Wake fans are none too happy about having to go to Duke for back-to-back years. And I kind of don't blame them. Um, Duke is at a much different point program-wise than – I think we thought they would be at last year at this time. Um, and you're looking at November, like I said, Wake does not play well in November. It goes back to what I'm talking about with the depth concerns. And there's usually at least one or two positions on the team that you're looking at and saying, man, how in the world are they going to piece this together for 50 to 80 plays in, in this game this week? Um Three road games, uh, one of them being at Notre Dame, the other being at Syracuse. That's uh, that's not going to be a fun month either. So, yeah, this is this schedule was not done with the best intentions for Wake Forest purposes. Uh, I, I think I think it's fair to say that. Oh man, I mean, the buy before going to Clemson is good i feel like because i mean you mentioned dave clausen doesn't love having the buy in the middle of the schedule but i think if you're going to put it towards the front of the schedule having it the week before going on the road to clemson is probably a good thing telling you you gotta you gotta but you gotta join me on my hill having teams play worse coming out of the off week than they do uh having that (laughs) having that fcs game uh yeah i'll have to i'll have to refresh the numbers on that one but but Dave's actually the one that's been pretty vocal about that. And I've gotten into the numbers because of his uh, vocalization of it. But I mean, that's why the SEC pays those FCS teams one five and $2 million to play their games against them on that second to last week of November. So Saturday. Yeah. It's it's better to have that warm up game than have a complete week off. I feel. I look, I, 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 go ahead, Joey. Sorry. I'm just, just looking at the sequencing. At looking at the sequencing. Yeah, I mean, like like you mentioned, Connor. I mean, it's 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 games in a row. Clemson, I would call that tough. Virginia Tech, maybe less tough. Pittsburgh, tough. Florida State, tough. Duke, maybe. NC State, maybe. And Notre Dame, definitely. Like that's you know, th- there's not a lot of rest for the weary in there. For sure, you know, especially in the, in the two games that I said maybe are in-state rivals, right? So, like, you know, plenty of extra emotion there. So that's in-state rivals. The, in-state rivals that beat you last year. 
Mm. Um, Duke by three in a regular season finale Thanksgiving week. Um, and State in a night game there by nine. And it was closer than that. Uh, yeah, man. The, and and those are, those are big four games that Dave Clawson and John Curry have made no secrets that they really want to win. Like, they'll give you the company line of every every game matters the same. Every game counts for one. They want to go 1-0 and every week, blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. They really want to beat the big four teams. Like, that, 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 is, that is who Wake is. Um, they are the overlooked team of the state more often than not. Like, you not only have State, Carolina, and Duke that uh, – can tend to get more attention than Wake, but they're also competing with App State up the mountain and ECU down east. Um, they really want to win the in-state games, and having those two back-to-back, that's that's going to make for a pretty interesting start to November. What do you think in record prediction-wise? I tell you what, I, like I think this season is going to test this program's floor. Um. They have a seven-year bowl streak that I'm not prepared to say, like, guarantee it ends and say they're going to go three and nine or four and eight or something crazy like that. I just think this season is going to test Wake's floor as a program. Tenth uh, year under Dave Clawson, replacing a lot of key components. I, I don't know if this team has it in them to compete at the top of the ACC. Um. But I, I think that there are scenarios where this team does not make a bowl game. It's you fair. want a specific record. You want a specific record out of me, don't you? <laughs> it's, I mean, it's everything you said was fair, but yeah. I'll I'll land on six and six. Um, because I I think they're going to go four and zero oh in September. Like I think those first four are going to fall their way. Uh, then I look at the rest of the schedule and I'm probably shortchanging them. Like I, I think if, if they're good enough to go four and oh in September, I don't think they're bad enough to go two and six the rest of the way. I'm probably giving a little bit too much credit to the opponents and not enough to wake. Uh, I've been guilty of that in the past, but I do look at that back two thirds of the schedule and say, man, if, if they go four and four through this eight, that'd be a pretty decent season. Um, so finishing eight and four, seven and five, I, I think that would be a pretty decent season. And then it becomes a matter of who you're bringing back the next year and, and what have you set yourself up to do in 24. What do you think, Joey? I, I'm kind of leaning with Connor or that like six and six mark. You know, one of the things that I've learned over the years is that, you know, whatever I, if I look through the schedule and I start picking win loss, win loss, you know, whatever, if I'm looking at Wake Forest in particular, I am doing myself a disservice if I don't add a win somewhere in there because this is just historically such a well-coached team that they are going to pick someone off that I don't think they are. Um, out of conference, I mean, I think being conservative, I think two and two, um, getting that Vanderbilt game at home, I think probably helps. Vandy was better last year than I think we thought they would be, but like – are they like a definite loss at this point for Wake Forest? I don't think so. Like that's definitely winnable, but let's just be conservative and say two and two. And then can they go four and four in conference? Yeah, probably. 
I, I mean, I think there's enough winnable games here. And, and again, it's not like Wake has ever really, in our in our experience in this podcast, ever really been a pushover. I mean, they they will win games. They they can go toe to toe with the likes of you know Pitt and NC State, and I, I think they should be favored probably against Duke or against Syracuse. Uh, we'll see with Georgia Tech. I think they probably are favored at home against Georgia Tech there in late September. Um, you know, and then who can they pick off from there? So, yeah, I mean, I think six and six is probably reasonable. I think there's a non non zero chance to go like seven and five. That's on the table with historically what we've seen here. Um, but as mentioned, I mean, there, there are definitely questions about some of the personnel grouping, some of the losses, you know, so some of it might come down to what kind of injuries are there or aren't there. Um, but I'll, I'll, I'll conservatively say six and six for now, Mike. Yeah. So the, the, one extra win because of Steve Clawson. I'm going to say seven and five. And the reason why I say seven and five is like, I look through the schedule. There are a lot of teams that have a lot of questions, right? I mean, Georgia tech it's, it's year one, right. With Brent key, Virginia mm-hmm. tech year two with, with pry, even though it's um kind of a tough stretch going to Clemson, then to Blacksburg, that's a tough schedule draw, but like enough questions there. Pittsburgh's got Phil Dracovic at quarterback. What version of that are we going to see, right? Is it going to be the 2020 version of Dracovic or is it going to be the one that's like banged up and then when he's healthy, isn't really all that good? Like or what version of quarterback are we getting there? Um, Florida State is, they're going to be a machine. Uh, Duke, Duke, a little better than we thought, but there might be a little payback factor there, right? NC State, again, um, you're pairing Brian Armstrong with Robert and I as the OC. So that's going to be really intriguing to see kind of what NC State looks like. But again, that's for that's a new offense coordinator. That's a new quarterback adapting to a system he used to play in, but at a new place. Notre Dame, it's going to be their senior day, right? End of November. That's a really tough game, but also yeah, in like South Bend. Yeah. In South Bend, but it's not like Notre Dame's not without some questions at receiver. I mean, yeah, you you play against Sam Hartman, but receiver wise, like what did they look like there? And then at Syracuse, yeah, you're going to the Carrier Dome. But also, what does Syracuse look like offensively without Robert and I now as the OC? Because now you're kind of going to Jason Beck and that could be fine, right? Or it could be something a little bit different. Sean Tucker's gone, right? If there's anything that we learned from the bowl game, the pinstripe bowl last year, it's that, oh, they're not afraid to throw the ball with Garrett Schrader like 51 times. It was 15 more than his career high in that pinstripe bowl. So if that's the version of Syracuse we're going to throw out there, I'm not sure you want Garrett Schrader throwing the ball 50 times a game. And if that's what they're going to do, I'm not sure that's maybe I'm wrong, but I'm not sure that's going to be like a winning proposition for them all year. So it's tough to go to a carrier dome, but also like, I'm not sure how good Syracuse is going to be. I think there's no Babers make it to Thanksgiving as head coach. I don't know. (laughs) Fair. Um, So there's, there's questions. There's definitely questions and um, up and down the schedule. And I just think there's enough for, for wake to get to seven, even with the questions they have. I just think that, offensively they're just too much of a known commodity i think they're just going to score enough right quite frankly against some of these teams that have a lot of questions on the offensive side of the football so if you get into those higher scoring games like can some of these teams on the back half of the schedule i just talked about with like questions on offense can they keep up like virginia tech's got basically entirely new offense can they keep up like probably not um duke can they keep up like if last year's version of Duke shows up, maybe, right? But 
you know, they got some stuff they're replacing too. So th- there's there's some questions. I, I think that um, I think Wake can get to seven. The thing you got to remember about the two games in uh, November, like NC State is not. I think NC State's won once in Winston Salem in the past like twenty some years, and that that's been every year. Like it's not a play once and and take three years off that series. That series has been going since nineteen ten. And uh House of Horrors situation. Yeah, it's it's just House of Horrors situation. Like even Jim Grobes last year when everything was sour, uh NC State came there and, and Wake found a way to beat them and give Jim Grobe kind of I think that might have been Jim Grobe's last win at Wake uh against a pretty sultry uh NC State team. And then weird sh- happens in the carry dome. Uh yeah. I couldn't hold off my oh, language yeah. on that one, but yeah. And I, I I just I see the at Syracuse to end the season, and I immediately think of 2019. Wake had a really good season. It kind of got off the rails at the end of the year. They went to the Carrier Dome for that last regular season game, and Wake lost by nine in overtime. And <laughs> you want to ask how that happens? You have Syracuse kick a field goal and then uh, intercept a pass and return it for a touchdown against Sam Hartman on the on the back half of overtime. So, yeah, that's just, that that's a weird game and I hesitate to predict anything about it just because something weird is going to happen in that in that one yep man that was eight and three wake against four and seven Syracuse in that game man that's that's rough it was a weird senior day um God, I don't even remember who started at quarterback for Syracuse but uh that was just was that, that was James one oh, oh sorry uh no Dungey was gone um, I, I love Dungy. I think I had him as a first team All ACC quarterback his last season there, uh, twenty eighteen. Eighteen, yeah. But uh, yeah. Let's see. Hold on. Devito. Working on it. Uh, Rex some, Culpepper. Something oh. named Welch. No, wow, yeah. Names. Yeah, Welch. <laughs> yeah. It was. It was. It was like a charity start on senior day and he somehow beat uh, an eight win wake for his team that had been in the Yikes. CFP rankings like a month before. Oh that was gosh. not, it was not fun to ask questions after that game. Yeah. That was a combo. Sam Hartman, Jamie Newman game. Tommy DeVito threw three passes in that game. I don't know. Was he hurt or something like that? I don't know. It's been a long yeah, time. Ago. Yeah. It, it was a weird, it was Rex, a weird thing. You said Rex Culpepper. My God, that game is some... yeah. Nightmare. I don't know why that name God. was rattling in my head. Um, my God. Wake played an overtime game up there since then. Uh, the AT Perry game where AT had three catches and all of them were touchdowns. Um, <laughs> that was that was 2021. So, my goodness. Yeah. Well, I'm sure nothing could go go wrong in that game this year. Last last game of the season and. In the Carrier Dome or the JMA Wireless Dome? Uh, yeah. Carrier Dome. Come on. Uh, yeah, always. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Don't got to tell me twice. All right. So I think we all got Wake Forest probably going bowling. I'll, I'll take that. I think that's that's a pretty good uh, reset year, if I, if, it's, if I do say so myself. That's the way I look at this, man. I, like, I don't think anybody expects them to compete for an ACC championship. It's... 
if they do great, like the, some things would have to fall their way and they would have to take advantage of the schedule in some way that we don't see possible right now, obviously. Um, but yeah, I, I think, I think this kind of becomes a bridge year and, and then I think it's okay. How many pieces can you bring back and, and what young players can you get ready to step into large roles in 2024? And can you then jump on an, an opportunity to play at the top of the conference. Mike, I, I'm good if you are. Uh, bridge here is a bowl game. That's that's good. I yeah. would take that every time. Our bridge here in Blacksburg is scraping our way to three wins. So, oh, man, there's there's like 86 teams out of 133 that go to bowls. It's pretty hard to miss one. Yeah. Oh, trust me. Virginia Tech's found a way. <laughs> Been a minute on my end too. Don't worry. Yep. yep. <laughs> Haven't seen a well, bowl game this, since 2018. This is good. <laughs> Yikes. Uh, yeah, it's Wake's three uh, repeat opponents every year: Georgia Tech, Virginia Tech, and Duke. It's two second-year coaches and a first-year coach, and uh, one of the second-year coaches looks like he has a head start on the other two. Yeah. I mean, that was a clear uh, – yeah, Mike Elko at Duke, I assume, is who we're talking about. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that was a clear I mean, ACC Coach of the Year situation last yeah, year. Yeah, yeah. You, But, like, when those pairings are announced, you look at it and it's like, man, Wake, Wake's three repeat opponents. I mean, they're not going to juice the needle for fans. Like, fans all want to see NC State or Carolina every year. But you look at it and you start thinking, like, they're going to get – this guy at Georgia Tech is probably going to be gone, and he was gone a month into the season. And then they're getting two first-year guys who, like, they're they've got some work to do building programs back. Um, just you know, one of them was bound to do well, and it, it was Mike Elko at Duke, and just happens to be the former Wake Forest defensive coordinator. But, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, totally forgot about that. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, you know, if you're if you're picking three teams to start with playing every year for the next four you know, those those ones kind of set you up at least at the start of it it's not exactly a murderer's row no that's that's exactly oh man i just now realize if those are your three permanent opponents and you get clemson and florida state this year you don't get either of them next year no so... they, they have clemson again next year i think uh they take a break from fsu but i think wake still has clemson next year uh, they still have NC State next year, and then they go two years without seeing them. Oh, hmm. all right. <laughs> I, I think if I if I'm remembering, I know I know for a fact the NC State one is the next two years they get them, and then they take two years off because I've done the research with the whole. They hmm. it's it's like the second longest continuous rivalry being played or in the South or something like that. So, hmm. but yeah. All right. um, there's some funky mixing and matching going on there where uh, it's not, it's not like broken up. Like you think it is. I blame John Swafford for this somehow. <laughs> it's fair. <laughs> no further questions, your honor. Yeah. <laughs> blame him think, for whatever we want. I think that's the fight song of NC state fans. <laughs> <laughs> Everything is Swafford's fault. Yeah, there you go. That's, that's good. All right, Connor, at the risk of me singing anymore, uh, this has been a lot of fun. I appreciate you coming on. Uh, do you want to tell the people where they can find you real quick? Yeah, that's uh, Connor O'Neill on what's left of 
Twitter. I'm still going to call it Twitter. Um, Connor O'Neill, one N, two L's, uh, underscore D-I. Um, my my Wake Forest coverage can be found at wakeforest.rivals.com. Uh, love to have people check it out. See, by the time this comes out, this might be like x.com slash Connor O'Neill underscore yeah. DI apparently, uh-huh. but we don't have to get into that, I guess. <laughs> I'm on Twitter until that burns down. And, and then I guess <laughs> yeah. I'll pick threads or blue sky or mastodon or whatever the hell it is. But blue sky. Yeah. yeah. Forgot about that one. God. I wouldn't know. I haven't been invited yet. Uh yeah. <laughs> anyways. God. Connor, you're the man. Really appreciate you coming on here. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Yep, yep. Mike, let's get out of here. Uh, we're going to come back, keep previewing some teams. In the meantime, uh, we are on Twitter at FTRS Joey, at Mike McDaniel SI, at BC Podcast ACC, and once again, uh, at Connor O'Neill underscore DI to go find all of, tw- of Connor's good stuff. And once again, at wakeforest.rivals.com uh, for all of his wonderful coverage of the Steam and Deeks. Uh, we are on uh, Spotify, on iTunes, on all the good places you can go find podcasts. We're on YouTube. Uh, go find us there. Hit the subscribe button. We appreciate that. Uh, Mike, you want to tell me where they can find us on the social medias? Facebook, facebook.com slash basketball conference rate review, and you'll find this podcast on there. I can't promise about any of the other ones. This one for sure. Uh, yeah. You can also do it for the gram uh, at BC Podcast ACC. We're on there too. So uh, go find us there. Yep. Did I forget anything, Mike? Is that it? It's like riding a bike. I think you uh, you did great. I'm so close to falling off. So let's uh, let's get out of here before I totally lose lose the plot. Uh, Mike, this has been fun. You want to come back and preview some more teams? Yeah, we got to do. Uh, what was it 13 more? Yes. Yeah, 13 more, and uh, you know we've got almost a month to do it. So we're uh, we're in good shape here. I think we're in good. We're we're doing what we usually do. <laughs> timing wise yeah right on schedule right on hey, schedule right until right until week zero we uh release these so that's right that's right gotcha. mike it's been fun we'll talk soon yep connor thanks again thanks so much thanks, for coming guys. on we'll talk to you again soon all right appreciate it yep all right for that guy mr mike mcdaniel for mr connor o'neill i am also for producer scott by the way he's here too uh i am joey weaver thank you guys so much for listening we will talk to you again soon and until then go acc go acc